welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Welcome everyone to Deeper and our fourth episode in our Upside Down Kingdom series in Luke's Gospel. My name is Clayton Ryan and I'm a member of the 9am service. And this week I'll be discussing Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 17, with one of our pastors, Ken Davies. So hi Ken, how are you today? G'day, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent, how's your week been? It's been busy as always, but that's a good thing. (laughs) It's better to be busy than bored. Yes. Excellent. As always, Ken, having a couple of days to reflect on this passage since preaching it on Sunday, what has God helped you to see more clearly? Uh, I think the answer to that is that I don't want to be the Pharisee, and yet it's pointing me in the direction that that's who I am. And so it's a it's a passage that keeps on coming back to us and thinking we want to come to the conclusion, ah, uh, this is for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it just keeps coming back again and again saying, ah, maybe you're making a mistake there as you make that conclusion about <laughs> yeah. yourself. Yeah, I think that um, fits nicely with my thoughts. Like, I love this, what this parable that, uh, that, teaches, uh, that Jesus teaches. And I actually, when I say I love that parable, what I mean is it always catches me out. Yeah. I think in that same way that, you know, the Pharisee looks down on that terrible tax collector and is thankful that he's nothing like him. Yep. And I always find after I read this passage that I'm probably like, you know, thank you, God, that I'm nothing like this Pharisee. Yes. And then that moment of, oh, (laughs) (laughs) I've done it again. (laughs) (laughs) So could you please start off with reminding us of the main points? And as always, you have a two to three minute limit. Yeah. um, yeah. On this. (laughs) No worries. Um, Starting off with the whole concept of confidence, that that Mm. confidence can be a really good thing, uh, but overconfidence can actually be dangerous. Uh, And so that leading then into the question of what is our confidence as Christians? If if we're just going through life and we've got absolutely zero confidence, is that the right approach? Mm. If we think, yep, yep, I'm completely fine, is that the right approach? And so just trying to work out, well, what is our confidence in? Um, So brought together two passages which are normally considered separately, uh, but basically around the same theme, the whole concept of self-evaluation. As I look at myself, on what basis can I have confidence? But then the second part of the passage being, uh, as I look at others, how do I evaluate them? And Mm. so a big... Um, focus on looking at the criteria that we use, um, on what basis are we determining that we're in or out, and then on what basis are we determining others are in or out. Uh, And so very, very clearly showing uh, that our trust, our confidence is in the fact that we've got a merciful God uh, who loves to welcome home repentant sinners. Uh, and therefore, that then is the approach that we must, the attitude that we must have to others, um, mm-hmm. that they also are sinners. And as they repent, then they're, they're welcomed in as well. Mm, excellent. Thanks for that. Now, before we get into this passage, we were chatting briefly yesterday mm. about it. And you mentioned that there was a question over the translation. Um, I'm not sure what you call that, like a little translation issue or yeah interesting quirk um, that you decided not to include in the sermon. 
but might actually be useful to mention in the podcast because it might give us a slightly different insight into the mind of the Pharisee. Sure. Um, the the reality is, is as as people who are preaching, there is stuff that's left on the cutting room floor, yeah. uh, and often there's you'll go off on tangents, looking into something. Mm. As you're still working through the passage, praying through it, you realize, well, this is actually not the highest priority for preaching on Sunday. And often it will just never get mentioned. But because we've got the podcast, we can come back to verse 11. (laughs) Um, The Pharisee stood up and prayed. uh, Sorry, stood by himself and prayed. Uh, Some versions say the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Mm -hmm. Um, The Greek word can even be translated, the the Pharisee stood up and prayed to himself. Um, and and there's no uh, linguistic requirement that any of those translations are correct. Obviously, there's theological implications of all of them. Yeah. But potentially, this is actually going so far as the Pharisee, although he prays in religious language to God, the God of uh, Israel, the mm. reality is, is potentially he actually thinks of himself as God, yeah. and he's standing up there and really talking to himself and saying, well, I'm really good. Look at me. I'm great. Mm. Um, he continues on in prayer, and so it does seem to be directed towards God, and so that's why translators have gone with the one that they have. Yeah. Um, but potentially this guy has got a very, very inflated view of himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess which falls in a bit with other places where Jesus says, you know, he has received his reward already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that if we're mind is on ourselves. Yep. Actually, yeah, are we really praying to God or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I found that, as you said before, that usually these passages would be preached separately. Mm-hmm. And I found it really helpful that verses 15 and 17 were included <laughs> in your sermon. Can you share your thinking behind including both you know verses 9 to 14 and yep. then almost like your point two yeah. is verses 15 to 17 yeah we we basically as pastors we sit down together uh in anticipation of the preaching series that we're doing throughout the year mm. uh, and we go through working out how many weeks have we got therefore how many passages are we going to cover in that time Um, sometimes you do just go with the headings in the text that are put in afterwards they're not part of scripture Um, they're not the inspired word of god but they often can be helpful Mm. sometimes they break things up based on themes that are not picking up themes that the author the the human author of scripture wants us to be picking up on yeah Uh, and so we brought these two together Some would say just for pragmatic reasons, we want to get through a certain amount of text before Easter. Hmm. Uh, But certainly there was more to it than that in thinking through that these are thematically linked and they're kind of just like looking at two different sides of a coin. Um, And so rather than just spending a whole week on one side of the coin, the next week on the other side, as you bring them together and contrast them, hmm. it actually allows you to see the other one more clearly. Yeah, um, we did a, we did a similar thing in the last series in Luke, uh, looking at the the lost sheep, the sorry the the lost coin. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, lost yeah, sheep, lost, lost, sheep, lost coin, coin, lost son. Lost son. Yeah. Um, and rather than doing them as three separate passages, we brought them all together because it is actually the contrast of them, the similarities and the differences that actually give you the main point that Jesus is making. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for that. Now, you began your first point, I think, really clearly setting the scene. And I wrote this down in my notes. The Pharisee takes his place on center stage. Now, for me, this was really helpful 
imagery to get that because it just gave me this image that he's performing, mm -hmm. um, that he's not necessarily mm -hmm. um, doing this out of godly um, intent. Yep. Now, a warning about, I guess in a way it's a warning about not doing things just as an act. But I want to think, how do you think today we might be in danger of being more like the Pharisee than perhaps we think we are? Uh, I guess, ironically, um, as I'm saying those words, I'm centre stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and we do have a stage in church, and that's just a, a, a practical requirement for yeah. people to be able to see and a whole lot of other things. Mm. Uh, and so... Like there's there's those kind of logistical things that you could say, oh, well, is, aren't you just going down the same track as well? Hmm. Um, I think more importantly, there's a whole lot of other things. I think there is a lot of me focus in Christianity today. Yeah. Um, a lot of our songs talk about me and my response. I'm going to sing of your love forever. Yeah. Um, and it's all about me and what I'm going to do to make God happy. Um, I'm going to be the person that serves you. I'm going to make this sacrifice. And I don't hear a lot of singing then about God. Um, mm. And so that, that, that is a danger of, when I say Christianity, Christianity in general, I'm not suggesting that the songs we're singing at WBC are the wrong mm. ones. Yeah. Uh, but there can be a tendency, rather than singing the old story, yeah. we've started singing what's my response to God. Yeah. Um, and that's just something that we need to be constantly aware of. Are we starting to slip into that thinking that I'm... I'm really good. I've I'm doing these things for you, God. You yeah. should be pleased with me. And the, and so then we're becoming very Pharisaical yeah. um, at that point. Um, I think the other things that we do, um, we make a lot of comparisons. It's very very easy for mm -hmm. us to say, oh well, this is this is my church compared to the church down to the down the road. This is yeah. my denomination versus the denomination down the road. Yeah. This is my understanding of theology versus those people that have got that theology. Yeah. Um, and and so we're doing the same thing. We might not be comparing ourselves. I'm not a. I'm not doing wicked. I'm not an adulterer, but we are saying, okay, my theology makes me better than that person. Yeah. Uh, or whatever whatever the particular practice or thinking. And and I think that's showing that the the difference of the tax collector is it's just business between him and God. He yeah. recognizes himself as a sinner. He doesn't say, I'm a worse sinner than the other person. He just acknowledges that this is between me and you. Yeah. Whereas the Pharisees, one of the Pharisees' problems is that he's saying, I'm better than them. Yeah. And by yeah. thinking that I'm, I'm somehow a little bit better than the other ones, well, you'll have to accept me. Yeah. Uh, and so comparisons that we make are, are very much down this line. Mm. Um, I think the other, um, the other one that I've just thought about is um, the assumption that we've done what God expects and therefore um, that, that we're okay with him. Yeah. And, that, and the Pharisee, is, it's not like he's ignored Scripture and he's just decided to do his own thing. He has focused on scripture. He's given his whole life to it. Mm. He's given away other job opportunities yep. to take up the role of a Pharisee. This is a guy who has sacrificed a lot for God. Yeah. But even as he has done that, he's missed the main point. Mm. Um, and I think there can be a danger for us as Christians that we focus on one particular aspect mm. and think, okay, because I do this, 
therefore God's going to be happy. And we don't stop to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, and we can be just so defined by a particular thing I do. I'm involved in this ministry. Mm. I, I give money to that particular thing. So therefore God must be pleased with me yeah. without stopping and looking at, okay, how's my whole life? How's my interaction with others? What are, what are the other things that are going on that would actually mean yeah. that that particular thing that I'm doing is actually not holding its right place in God's plan. Yeah. I remember, reminds me of a talk I heard recently from David Platt, mm-hmm. and he was speaking to pastors, and, and he said similar warning to pastors, and said he remembered as a pastor, you know, he was doing all these things, you know, building a really good church, strong mm-hmm. church, training people, preaching mm-hmm. the Word of God faithfully, and, and he kind of woke, woke up one day and realized, I haven't genuinely prayed as a Christian mm-hmm. in my own walk mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Mm. That everything has just been about doing all these sure. things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a, and and that, that can be the thing that we're, we're trying to meet other people's expectations, the, yeah. the, the, the truism that we play to an audience of one. It's not about yeah, yeah. making the audience happy apart from the one audience that matters, which is God. Yeah, yeah. So in contrast to the Pharisee, there's the tax collector, who instead of being on center stage, he was far off and he wasn't even looking up. He was so ashamed. So how do you think today we can take a leaf out of the tax collector's book? Uh, well, clearly this means that we have to uh, bow our heads when we pray mm-hmm. and cross mm-hmm. it, fold our hands. <laughs> uh, we, we don't want to be uh, expecting a bodily embodiment of the attitude. The attitude's the thing that's important. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to be recognizing, as this guy does, um, that th- there is nothing in my hand I bring. Uh, yes. Simply to your cross I cling. That there's there's no, there is nothing that we can contribute that yeah. has any value. Um, it's all been done for us. Mm. Um, and so that's the, ultimately the thing that we're looking at getting is the attitude. Because I think that it's really interesting as we think about this, uh, obviously the whole talk being around the concept of confidence. Mm. One of the doctrines of, of, of Orthodox Christianity is that we do have a confidence, yeah. um, that if we don't have assurance of our salvation, that there's actually a problem there. If yeah. I don't know that I'm saved, what's wrong with me? Mm. Um, and that's not to say that doubting is wrong, but if we truly believe that we're saved by Jesus' death and resurrection, then I can have a confidence that other religions are not able to have as a, mm. as a Muslim. I'm doing all of these works. I'm going on my fast. I'm going on my pilgrimage yeah. in the hope that somehow in the end I might be okay and yeah. judged acceptable. Yeah. If I'm a Buddhist, I'll do my works in the hope that somehow at the end yeah. I'll get into another life that will be a little bit better than the last one. Yeah. But there's no hope. There's no certainty at all. Mm. Whereas a Christian, if they understand that it's not by their own works, but by what Jesus has done, there should be a certainty. Uh, And so confidence in the extreme, that's right and appropriate, but it's only if it is in Christ, not in ourself. Um, So, yeah, uh, it just needs to be clarified that there's a difference between assurance and self-confidence. The assurance is because it's all been done for us. Self-confidence is because I've done it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a real joy that comes in assurance yeah. that doesn't come in self-confidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and from that place of acceptance by God, 
it's then the basis from which we can love others. If I'm yeah. not trying to do something to obtain his love, but I've already got it, yeah. then I can love others without needing to grab onto these things or prove myself or have a certain number of people at my church or a number of yeah. people that I've converted. Like none of those things matter anymore yeah. as means of of receiving the acceptance uh, i know that that's already been done for me yeah so then we move from the pharisee to the tax collector and onto the children hmm. and this is the point i think i really appreciated um this moving on to this next um passage at this point and the parable leaves you i think if you i found if you just look at the parable yep. of the pharisee the tax collector it leaves you with this sense of don't be like the Pharisee, be more like the tax collector. Yep. Um, whereas these next verses seem to challenge us to go further and just think, well, actually, how do we um, think of others? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned a few things in your sermon, but where do you see Christians, um, I love this phrase you use, putting up walls rather than welcome signs? Yeah, Um Everywhere. (laughs) Um, Like the the criticism from the outside is that that you're the holy huddle um, and we're not welcome there. And I I think there's some validity in it that Christians can be an exclusive community. Um, Now, the the wrong thinking in that is the reality is that everybody's welcome and there's no expectations to change before you enter. But once people have entered, they do change, not because they're demanded to, but because a change has taken place inside of them. Mm. Um, But I think the reality is is that as Christians... um, we do get into this, like they, they talk today a lot about the whole idea of an echo chamber that we only associate with people that think the same as us. Yeah. And if we start to go along to church and then we're at home group and then we're going to training on the weekend and there's, a, there's all mm. of our life becomes just involved with church friends, uh, it can shift the things that we're talking about, the language that we use. So I think mm. one of the ones is jargon. Yeah. Um, we, we saw this a lot in Thailand um, in terms of they actually have a separate religious language to talk about things. And so if you just mm-hmm. talk to the average person using the language that we'd been taught at language school, most people didn't know what we were saying. Yeah. So we were able to give Thai lessons to Thai people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what it, what, it, what made us see is that um, we do use a lot of jargon to talk mm-hmm. about things. Um, like even, some things are just required. Like it talks about sin. It talks about salvation in these passages. And yeah. so we need to use the biblical terminology. But we also need to uh, change the way that we talk about it with people who are not familiar with it. Yeah. And so if we tell people that they're slay, saved by the blood of the lamb and mm. all, like the, the typical ones that are used as examples, um, you, you're actually confusing rather than welcoming. And you're saying, unless you shift and talk the way that I talk, then you're not welcome. Mm. Um, the classic ones in the past that, that Christians didn't smoke or drink or dance, yep. um, they have been historically things that we expect a change in people's behavior before their heart is changed. Yeah. Um, and we can still do that in terms of um, we might have a particular position on a particular behavior mm-hmm. or a political issue and say this is the Christian behavior, yeah. our Christ- Christian point of view, and we demand people to think the same as us yeah. rather than to follow the same Savior us and allow him to change our thinking behavior. Yeah. 
Um, but it can be dress. You look at if you look around at WBC on a typical Sunday, mm. um, there is an expectation that's there. Uh, if I rock up and I've just got thongs and a singlet on, um, some people would be very uncomfortable with it, and it, yeah. and it does communicate a particular message. Yeah. But if somebody comes in and they and they smell and their hair's not done, do we do we reject those people yeah. or do we welcome them in? Yeah. How, how are we behaving in those things? Yeah. Um, so people's dress, have they got tattoos? And so I don't want to, oh, they're bad people. Yeah. Uh, there can be those kind of assumptions going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, people's status, um, if somebody's poor, do we welcome them in? If someone's uber wealthy, yeah. do we welcome them in? We can we can make judgments that I'm the normal yeah. and anyone who's different from me is actually aberrant yes. and we need to fix them up. Yeah. Uh, people's religion. Um, this is one that I didn't really talk a lot about, but I think that people's religious beliefs, we can say, oh, well, you've got to fix those up before you can come to church. Uh, if we had uh, a, a Muslim walk in the door, would mm. we be demanding them to change certain things or would we be just in conversation with them? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. In one of the churches, one of the churches we went to, we had, um, we were a largely young professional um, <laughs> congregation. And down the road, there was a church that largely reached out to, p- to people in the housing commission. Yep. And we often thought, what would we do if someone walked into the wrong church Yep. one day? Um, yep. And we had a guy come in. He was a construction worker. Uh-huh. Um, and it was it was very interesting that um, just not everyone um, sort of warmed to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight away because he was very different yeah. from the rest of us. We, we assume that yeah. the things that we like come out of our Christianity yeah. where sometimes they don't they're just things that we like um, yeah. and so we've got to be very very careful in assuming that cultural things mm. are Christian things and yeah. vice versa yeah yeah excellent okay so our final question for today so what are some of the practical ways that you would like to see us at uh, WBC extending a welcome to others now, perhaps first towards uh, those who aren't a part of the mm. WBC family, and then secondly towards those uh, more within the WBC family. Yeah, I, I finished the sermon with this illustration of our water tank at home, that we're not mm. to just be storing up God's blessings towards us, but we should be passing them on to others. And I think the danger is as we come to church that we just are there for us to understand God's grace more mm. deeply rather than we're there to pass on that grace to others. Yeah. Um, and, and the illustration is certainly by no means perfect. Mm. Uh, but what I, what I think it, what I hope it does is it makes us aware that part of our purpose in meeting together as God's people is to be passing on the mercy that he's showed to us, to others. Mm. Uh, and so as new people come into church, um, it, it is a very... Uh, if we've been at church for many, many years, it's just normal. We feel comfortable there. It's our home. But for people who are coming in, whether they're coming from another church or from no church background whatsoever, mm. it's a very confronting place to be. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to be much more aware that as we're at church, we are hosts to people. Uh, yeah. And so as new people are coming in, uh, the same as if they came to your house, you wouldn't just say, oh, okay, well, thanks for coming today. Go and make yourself comfortable. Mm. You would show them where the bathroom is. You would say, okay, this is what we're Lunch is going to be on in about 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, come in, take a seat. Would, what would you like to drink? Um, 
And I don't think we generally have that uh, attitude to new people who are coming into church, that we are hosts of them. They're at our place Mm. and we need to look after them. And that may mean that I actually go and sit down with them in the auditorium. And then after it's finished, Mm. I have a conversation with them and bring them out to so that they've got someone that they can be interacting with. So um, it's not just a a handshake at the door and then they're in. It's actually really, really welcoming them in. And that may extend to, uh, why don't you come back to our place for lunch? And so the hosting is not just the hour and a half or two hours in the building on Sunday. Am I bringing them into my life? Yeah, when I was looking into Christianity, that was my experience i almost gave up after about six weeks because uh-huh. i went to a church and i hung around afterwards deliberately to ask questions yep and no one would speak to me yeah, yeah. the only conversation was saying goodbye to the pastor yep on the way out we 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 often don't notice people that are standing by themselves or sitting alone mm. um we automatically go to our friends the people that we've already got contact with people that are in our same age or life status yeah. um and and we feel it's just easier to talk to those people, but to go yeah. to go outside of my comfort zone to somebody else who's alone or different, um, yeah. it's 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 hard to do, and it, it requires effort. Yeah, and they're far more out of their comfort zone than we are. And yeah, they're else. even further away. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about for family, like within the church family? How can we be yeah. extending the welcome? Um, I think there's an assumption that if somebody's uh, we, we kind of have this thinking of we've got to get people across the line. Mm. Uh, and so if somebody has come to church three times, well, they're in now. And so I can just ignore them because they're already we've already got them. Yeah. And, and this perhaps applies even more to people who've been a part of the furniture forever. Yeah. Um, and yet we may find that there are people who are at church who we think, oh, well, they've been here a lot longer than I have. Mm. So there's no point in me going and speaking to them. But the reality is, is they feel just as alone as yeah. the visitor for the first time yeah. because they don't have close relationships with people. Um, we can often assume that because someone's been at church that they already have all of these contacts. Mm. It's an assumption and we have to be very, very careful in making it that we don't um, we don't miss out on the opportunity to minister to people mm. um, who, who are in need. And uh, we've, we've been pushing very hard for, for a little while now for the young people from Friday night youth group yeah. to come along to the service on Sunday night. Yeah. And a lot of people just think, oh, well, their parents are here. They've been a part of the church since they were little kids. Mm. So they already know people. Yeah. So I don't need to go and talk to them. But they're coming to a new service that they haven't been a part of. It's actually really important for people to go out of their way and actually say, hey, it's great to have you along here. Yeah. Uh, why are you coming on Sunday nights now? Yeah. Uh, and that can just be the lead into a conversation with them a new group of people that you would potentially have never had contact with that can be really, you can be a benefit to, and they can actually be a a great benefit to you as well. Yeah, excellent. And as personally a new newcomer to the church, like only a few months ago, it was a big deal for us to have people in the church contact us, say, come over for dinner or let's go for a coffee. Yep. Um, I think just hospitality is a huge yeah, huge part of being Christian family. It, re- it really is, and there's there's a there's a danger in our uh, Western culture to compartmentalise church to a particular time on Sunday in a particular building, mm. and for for us to get out of to to keep pushing ourselves to break out of that thinking that our Christianity is all of life, 
everywhere I'm a part of and I want to be involving people in all of my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Great. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time today, Ken, and for your sermon on Sunday. No worries. A pleasure as always. Yeah. To close with, I think some of the words, I think these might have been from your closing prayer as opposed to your conclusion in the sermon, but I thought it was a good reminder. It is because Jesus is good that we are welcome, not because we are good. So extend that welcome to others. I think it's good to remember. So thank you again, Ken, for your time. It's been great digging deeper into Luke chapter 18. And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing um, us as a church being even more welcoming uh, than we already are uh, in the coming weeks and months ahead. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I look forward to being with you all again next week. This has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. You can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org. 